Hello, and welcome to Learning from Nature, the biomimicry podcast with me, your host, Lily Ehrman. Thanks for tuning in. This episode is a gem of inspiration and motivation. Hear from Giselle Carr about how she has uplifted nature in her work and career in order to benefit people and the planet. Giselle is a design strategist and founder of a life-centered design practice called Stardust, based in Trinidad and Tobago. Previously, she worked primarily in design, marketing, and brand strategy, most recently with a global charity to address climate change through tropical reforestation and women's empowerment. Evolving from design thinking to business leadership and then to sustainable design has made her more specialized but more expansive in her ability to create impact. Giselle enjoys working with bright people on massive, complex problems in service of our collective, thriving future. Also, she does everything with a whole lot of love. Giselle works with fierce compassion to shape brands and tell stories that are meaningful and powerful. Why? Because the 21st century calls for agile, inclusive leadership, new thinking, and a new kind of business. She once heard Bruce Mao describe a designer as a living revolution of possibility, and her aim is to live up to that definition. This is another invitation to take us on a walk in nature with you. Listen in to learn about this important field while you marvel at your local birds, trees, plants, and insects who are the best models for life-centered design and have so much to teach us. Let's jump on in. Welcome to Zell. I'm so happy to have you here. If you want to do a quick, just little intro to yourself and also let us know your pronouns, that would be awesome. Oh, okay, thanks. Thank you so much, Lily. I love being here. So my name is Giselle Carr. I am a design strategist for the past, I guess, 15, 20 years or so. And uh, I recently founded a life-centered design practice in the Caribbean called Stardust Life-Centered Design. And uh, I go by she, her pronouns. Awesome. I'm so happy to have you here. And for everyone listening, Giselle and I have actually worked together in the past. We've been in touch for many years. And so I'm so excited to have you here, Giselle. Yeah, same here. I'm just stoked. I mean, it's beautiful to see how things evolve too, you know? Yeah, each of us kind of in our own careers in this space and me definitely like earlier on um, or joined a little later is what I mean to say. And having (laughs) your support and guidance and inspiration just for this whole process, even though we've never actually met in person, which is wild to me. I know, because it feels so, you know, you feel like just my homie, you know? Yeah, exactly. It's all good. (laughs) Yeah, and I'm constantly looking to your work and I'm just motivated by all the projects you have going on and the change you're making in that space in the Caribbean. So yeah, big props to you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Yeah, it means a lot to me and it's wonderful to see all of the things that you're doing as well. I mean, I really feel like this is slow work, you know, it's got to be slow generational work and it's super inspiring what you're doing. Super inspiring what you're doing. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. It means a lot. Mm, All right. We're going to jump right in. And Mm -hmm. you mentioned Mm -hmm. Uh, life-centered design. So I want you to kind of give us your definition of what life-centered design is. So for me, life-centered design is about putting life at the center of all of our decisions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so more technically, it's about creativity as a driver of sustainable business. That's how I practice it. Mm. I really land in corporate and look for ways to create value for people, planet, and profit. Mm -hmm. So really what we're doing is, uh, you know, constantly putting life at the center. You know, sometimes that's society, sometimes that's ecology. Most of the time it involves ecology because, you know, the time that we're living in, 
climate mm-hmm. change and the major issues that we're facing. So yeah, that's yeah. the definition that I work with. Such an important practice I too, and in in, I, I agree in this uh, day and age. And I'm, yeah, I'm excited to, to dive deeper into what this practice means for you and kind of how you're how you're actually doing this and how you're applying this mm-hmm. in different levels. Um, but first I want to know maybe a little bit more about your past. Like how did you first get interested in this field um, in life center design and maybe even biomimicry, any of those kind of practices? Yeah, sure. Well, you know, I graduated first, um, uh, I guess 2005, you know, I was a graphic designer. I was working in a web design company. Uh, I was having a blast. I lived in New York at the time. And I just always had this inkling in the back of my mind, you know, like working in corporate was awesome. And at the same time, I always had this love for nature. I always had this passion around nature and a desire to do more in the world. And Mm -hmm. I felt very strongly called to do something that would impact other human beings. You know, I couldn't quite find the languaging around it. I wasn't sure. Um, and eventually I stumbled upon the design management program at Pratt. Mm. And the, that program is specifically about, you know, life-centered design, the whole program. So I was just completely blown away, mm. you know, that this was even a thing, that this existed. Um, the way that the design management program frames it is around triple bottom line design, right Mm -hmm. so again it's those three value creation three types of profit really which would be people planet profit um but then diving more deeply into it and realizing that okay this was something that i was deeply passionate about but there was also that pull towards nature constantly yeah and the first i remember one of our first assignments was to read janine benius's books oh wow yeah, and I remember thinking, wow, I didn't even know you could, this was a thing, like mm-hmm. biomimicry is a thing, you know, and when I look at the landscape, one of the reasons I, I called my business a life-centered design uh, practice is because life-centered design includes biomimicry. Yeah. It's inclusive of that practice, and I feel very strongly about that as well, that we do have to learn from the other species that have figured out how to live on this planet. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I mean, it would have started, I guess, around 2009, 2010 was when I first heard about it. And, you know, fast forward a few years, I left New York, I came to the Caribbean, I was working in advertising, Um, you know, I was leveraging the skills I had learned. Yeah. But I wasn't necessarily practicing life-centered design in this like fullness, you know, like I was really more working on like for-profit brands, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, classic advertising stuff. Yeah. And the space is so new. It's hard to break into an ecosystem in which is just emerging. Exactly. Exactly. And then as a market, the Caribbean is different. So like some of the issues here are more around social change, Mm -hmm. you know, so you find yourself doing brand strategy that might create social value, But again, if you're someone that loves nature, that's kind of in the back of your mind. Like, it's a kind of weirdly visceral thing. You're just like, okay, but we're on this runaway train called climate change. You know, you're just kind (laughs) of always thinking about it. Mm -hmm. So I felt this call for an adventure at my job. And, you know, I was like, I wonder if those biomimicry guys have any, you know, events or things I could attend. And... Mm -hmm. (laughs) <laughs> and lo and behold, 
uh, this was around 2014, I discovered the uh, the immersion in oh, cool. Costa Rica. Yeah. And signed up for that, went to that, went to Costa Rica for a week and just fell madly in love with the practice all over again. Oh, I'm so jealous. That sounds like an incredible <laughs> trip. Yeah, you got to go if you haven't been. Yeah. Like that's, oh. Oh, I was supposed to go in like, 2020. <laughs> in 2021. Oh! <laughs> that's okay. Maybe one soon day. Go, soon go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Soon, soon. Yeah, but that was like, uh, I mean, that was definitely a catalyst for me because it was one thing to read about it. And it was another thing even to live in the Caribbean again, in those ecosystems, in tropical ecosystems, mm -hmm, in the background. Mm -hmm. And then a whole different thing to actually go and spend the time in nature, listening, you know, working with other designers and strategists from around the world, being taught by Dana, um, and just kind of really completely opening up my mind to a different skill set yeah. and possibility and, and depth of skill set you know and I thought oh my gosh yeah I'm I'm asleep at the wheel mm -hmm. this needs to stop <laughs> I need to do this <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah so I mean it's amazing it, it took a few years but it was really all those things added up you know yeah. and when I left advertising I guess around about three four years ago I started working in a global reforestation with a charity Tree Sisters, and I really loved the work we were doing. I loved the impact on climate change, but I realized again, okay, there's this layer of stuff that I'm not getting to do that I know is my calling. Right, yeah. You know, so even though, you know, by all means, we were successful. I mean, the campaigns we worked on funded the planting of 7 million trees in two years. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I mean, it was just really really a lot of fun making a huge impact and then t it was hard like like you like you know in 2020 this pivotal moment came where my contract ended and I was just like you know do I want to work anywhere else what am, what am I actually doing mm -hmm. you know and Stardust had really been on my heart for some time for like maybe two years you know and I just decided yeah. I would just go for it just start my own practice and see what happens wow yeah, and those, those moments can be really scary, but very rewarding yeah. in the long term, for sure. Yeah, I believe so. I believe so. But yeah, jumping right in and just like can be really terrifying. And I think it's especially important in this space. I've been recognizing this in myself as I've been, you know, creating these classes and teaching and working to start this um, smaller company. It's like I am qualified to do this. It's the mm -hmm. forefront of my mind. I'm excited by this. I'm trained in this. I, you know can practice this and I'm, I'm qualified and I'm, um, you know, worthy of being here in this space. And that's been tricky, I think, to navigate because the space is so new and there's so few people actually doing it, which is a huge goal of this podcast too, is, which is why I'm really excited to have folks like you join and share like how you're doing it and why you're doing this, um, just mm -hmm. to share with other people that they are capable of doing it and we can create a world in which life is centered and we're learning from nature at the core of every decision. Yeah, absolutely. I believe so. I mean, if I were to, st I mean, I, I I definitely feel you on the idea of qualifications, though. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember, I think I did a year of an MBA in marketing before I found Pratt. And I mean, it's not to denigrate the school. It was an awesome school. It was my alma mater. <laughs> and and uh, I remember after a year, I was like, wow, okay, this is what a traditional MBA 
feels like yeah. this isn't for me. Yep. It was intense. And then I realized, okay, everyone in my class, technically, like so many of like the conversation was so different. You know, they owned houses. Um, they were so much better off than my designer classmates. Yeah. Let's just say, right? <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'm like, do I belong here? Right. But then I realized like that ecology conversation was nowhere. Like right. it was literally yeah. nowhere, Lily. Yeah. And I vowed, I said, you know what, I'm not I'm not gonna do this. This is not how I'm gonna do business. Yeah. And part of the you reason know. we're in trouble right now. People aren't um, exposed to and interested in these topics. Um, that are inclusive, like, you know, understanding ecosystems and life-centered design when they're doing MBAs or building um, companies and everything. So, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. a huge, a huge gap, I think. So glad you switched yeah. over. <laughs> glad you're here. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. I mean, and also really like, something. yeah, how can we get this kind of thinking into more programs? That's kind of the headspace I'm in right now. Like, how do we infiltrate yes. education with this kind of thing? So right from the ground, right from the start, People are excited about learning from nature and the brilliant, you know, designs that are out there in the natural world rather than creating yes. more problems. So, yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, it is. It's a big problem it's, for it, sure. Yeah. It's the privilege of a lifetime, I think, you know. We get to do this work. Yeah, yeah. We get I to agree. do this work at this time. And I just feel like, you know, we've had this combo before about the, you know, the next 30 years or so. This whole generation, I think. This is what it's going to be about. Yeah, I agree. This is what it's going to be about, you know, and I take heart in that because I just know it's a relief in a way that it's been so bad because there's no way we could go back to it. Right. Exactly. There's literally no way. Yeah. You know, physically no way. Yep. You know, so humanity's found its its edges. Mm-hmm. So we, we've just got to forge ahead and look for what's new, what's yeah. going to work. And these fields, life-centered design and biomimicry and bio-inspired design, are just so much more hopeful and well-rounded mm. um, and bright and brilliant. And it, it offers us this really incredible light to follow and path to build forward that's not just you know meeting the status quo, but it's actually beautiful and brilliant and hopeful. And that's what really inspires me because especially coming from the background of a little bit of doomsday narrative around climate change, which I think we're all familiar with. Mm, Yes. This practice brings us joy in a way, even in that ecosystem that can be really sad sometimes. Like you're mentioning, you know, we're facing the next, you know, 50 or hundred years, there's going to be a lot of challenges, a lot of challenges. And with these tools, we can be equipped to be more hopeful, I think, and find joy in this work. I think so. It, it it really gives you a roadmap and a plan, and if not, a manifesto. Yeah. You know, so no one can chart the future necessarily, but there are a set of rules we could follow. There are things that we can experiment with. Yeah. And we're still learning. Yeah. You know, we're still we're still learning. You know, no one, n- not one single human being that has lived before us today, has figured this out. Right. You know, so it's, it's, again, it's a bit reassuring in that sense, because then it's just like, okay, we're just going to keep doing our best. Right. <laughs> we're just going to keep doing our best, yeah. you know, and follow the things that are hopeful, because that's how you create more of it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, just be of service to the hope. Yeah. And speaking to that, something I would love to hear, um, just kind of the things you're working on right now, like, how are you applying? What does it look like to apply life-centered design? to a career? Sure. I know that's a huge question, but I think a lot <laughs> sure. of listeners would be interested in like, what does this look like in practice? 
Yeah. Well, I mean, for myself with Stardust, I have three sets of services, right? So mm-hmm. one is kind of more directly about life-centered design and training companies, training organizations. So I find myself doing a fair number of workshops to create awareness, okay. right? Awesome. And to give people tools. Um, that's usually just a lot of fun because it's so new to people. Yeah. And they just have such a blast. Mm-hmm. You know, last year I did a workshop with a group of women in Portugal. And I mean, some of them were crying on this call. Mm. Yeah, yeah, they were so moved because yeah. they never really... I think most business owners and people trying to do something quote-unquote sustainable or regenerative, they don't quite give themselves permission to have um, this as a possibility. Yeah. You know, and so they don't even approach it from this context. And when they do, it's like the the energy just changes in the room completely. Yeah, it does. You know? I know what you're talking about. It's like giving me goosebumps right now. Yeah. You know, people will start the workshop thinking about money or profit or, okay, we're here to learn these things and this is going to be a fun presentation. Yay. And then by the end of it, they're talking about, you know, generational transitions Mm. how they can create this transformation in such a way inside of their business that then lasts for 60 to 90 years wow you know or they start talking about family structures that created generational businesses and how they can transform them i mean it's just Mm. things that would floor you like i always come away from those experiences deeply humbled because i think to myself okay right i'm in the right conversation yeah and i'm glad to be of service to this person because that person, you just don't even know what they're going to do when they leave that workshop. Right. What they're going to say, who they're going to meet and influence again. Mm-hmm. So that's one set of services. And then the other set of services. So, I mean, it's three. So there's also the blueprint, like helping companies create a blueprint for being more sustainable or, or more life centered. Okay. And that usually involves pulling together an interdisciplinary team. Um Right now, the major client that I'm working with is in the British Virgin Islands. They already have uh, a blue economy strategy for their organization. They happen to be a college. Mm. And we're working with them on their rebrand and on an upcoming campaign. And they're one of the most inspiring brands that I've worked with to date. So, yeah, so... Imagine being on an island with 30,000 people, first of all. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Imagine that. Imagine then that your island gets pretty much decimated by a hurricane. Mm. What do you do? And this college actually reverse engineered all of their programs to not only be ecologically gentle and regenerative so replanting mangroves you know ensuring that they're not creating any negative impact on the land or on the sea Mm -hmm. especially because their territory is more ocean it's more water than land wow as is so many caribbean islands yeah but then they actually sat and reverse engineered all of their courses to create um vocational courses that then trained people on the island to rebuild the island that's amazing and i I was floored when i heard this so they did this and on top of which things like their construction techniques are more climate resilient than some of the other islands Mm -hmm. so they're actually trying to do it in such a way that they 
will have less damage next time yeah. you know because unfortunately with things like hurricanes they they do happen they do continue to happen so hopefully yeah. not for many more years you know um but i mean it really speaks to their tenacity ingenuity and you know decision making yeah the strength of decision making like yeah. they could have just said okay yeah sh- you know poop happens terrible mm-hmm. things happen let's rebuild and they just said you know how do we make the most of this who right. are we as a people right. what do we what's the legacy we want to leave mm-hmm. you know and this incredible thing that's powerful I, yeah. I mean i'm super humbled by it i really wish and i'm hope my hope really with how we do things like the marketing the branding and the storytelling around it is that it's going to create a, a template for other islands like other people are going to want to do this i mean it's why i tend to aim for market leaders so anyone who is actually trying to do something pioneering in their market because then when they create that success story someone else is going to be inspired and want to do it and and actually see a way to do it and say okay yeah i think i could do that yeah. i might be able to do that you know yeah. but it takes guts you yeah. know and and clarity of vision and someone has to make the decision mm-hmm. yeah and having that template is really powerful too because then everyone else doesn't have to start from scratch that's um, right and yeah we just don't, yeah we just don't have the time that's that's right. really how i feel about it yeah. now it's just you know the more of this we can synergize the better so yeah and a lot of these islands are at the forefront of the effects of climate change as exactly. i'm sure you're aware because you're yes. living it yes Yes. I mean, fortunately, Trinidad is the southernmost island in the Caribbean. So I live in Trinidad and Tobago. Specifically, I live on the island of Trinidad. Um, And we, the hurricanes tend to veer north and south of us. But every Mm. now and again, you get like, you know, a major tropical storm. We get mild earthquakes because obviously we're on the Caribbean plate and the fault line and all that. Um, higher up the chain of islands, though, you really see how, you know, for example, Dominica was also decimated by the same hurricane, Hurricane Maria that year. Mm-hmm. I think it was 2018. Um, and Dominica have had to rebuild more than once, you know, wow. um, and that's just, it, you know, incidents. But then you also have things like the coastal erosion. Yeah. Um, you know, and how that infringes on people's lives. Then there's things like species die off you know i've noticed less of certain kinds of animals and then abundance of other kinds of uh, life forms like sargassum seaweed for some reason there's just Mm. like so much of it now because of the changes in the temperatures of the water yeah yeah i mean it's interesting to see it because it's just you just know it's something bigger than you yeah you know Yeah, which can be very daunting, but I I think that's an interesting point, too, of this idea of looking to nature is, like, can be comforting in these situations of, like, there are time-tested solutions in -hmm. nature, given that the organisms and life around us is constantly evolving, but there are also organisms that are evolving to these changes that we can learn from, which is really interesting. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, they've figured out how to do it. Yeah. You know, the proof is in the pudding. They're yeah. all here, you know? Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. The ones that are still around. <laughs> we can, yes. We can learn a lot <laughs> yes. From. Yes. We definitely can. You we mentioned something can. with the work um, on the, in the college you mentioned for the British Virgin Islands about this idea. And I, you didn't use the term, but I'm curious about kind of what your thoughts are around the idea around resilience 
and what that means mm. for these different communities and how we could use life-centered design and biomimicry as kind of a tool, uh, a platform in which to build these resilient systems around. Yeah, I mean, that's really one of my favorite topics to speak on. You know, I talk about, uh, I mean, I did it last year uh, or the year before, I guess, for the NASA Biocene. To me, yeah. the Caribbean actually, um, it embodies something before, uh, beyond, I should say, uh, resilience, which is anti-fragility, mm. you know, and mm -hmm. this idea that because there's resilience, which is, I guess, the textbook definition of resilience is around bouncing back from shocks and impacts, right, right? and becoming the same. Whereas I found it really fascinating when I came across this term of anti-fragility, which was around coming back better from the shocks, mm. you know, and, um, you know, I certainly don't wish those shocks on anybody, you know, like he does have some disclaimers in there, like to a point, you know, like right. nobody's trying to like argue for, um, you know, lots and lots of uh, shocks and bad right, impacts. Yeah. You know, but there is definitely I, I think it's increasingly important that we look for these things. And, yeah. and they're actually not even um, I don't think that they are half as complex or theoretical or difficult as people may think them to be. You know, mm. resilience to me is is very simple. It's about unconditional love. Actually, mm. um, you know, if we unconditionally love each other and we unconditionally love nature, how would we actually behave how right. would we yeah. what kind of how would we operate commercially yeah. we wouldn't do half the things that we do right today you know and you know i think when we think about resilience in our minds it's like this tough shell and you know it's like oh yeah you know you can withstand <laughs> like i don't know bullets yeah but resilience is also like hugely about softness right yeah you know about joy about suppleness and yeah. What struck me, like, for example, in speaking to the folks over in the BVI was just how much they love what they do. And yeah. they didn't really talk about like, yeah, we're rebuilding the island with this. that. Like they spoke about it very casually, like this was just their everyday lives. Right. And the way that they spoke about the school and about the territory, which is to say the island, the water, because it's like 60 islands. Yeah. They just it was just so clear that they just unconditionally loved each other. They loved where they lived and they were prepared to do whatever was necessary. Yeah. And that's, that can be so powerful, so much more powerful than this idea of being quote unquote impenetrable. Right. It's like, yeah. actually, what are the relations we're building with each other and the planet? I love that. That's right. That's yeah. right. If we remember that, then everything else just becomes academic, right. you know, it's just an exercise. Mm -hmm. I have a few more questions. I'd love to, <laughs> I see sure. a lot on your social media, some really beautiful photos <laughs> of nature. So <laughs> one, of my, yeah. one of my big questions that I'm asking a lot of the folks I'm interviewing is kind of ways that you are reconnecting with nature, connecting with nature, ways you find relation to nature. Oh yeah. Well, I do that all the time. I mean, gosh. I'm kind of spoiled. <laughs> I mean, I'm lucky, you know, when I think back to like my days in New York City, I mean, I would struggle. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. I adored. Yeah, there's gorgeous trees and everything there. But I mean, it's not the same as mm -hmm. like, you know, you look up and there's a hill and there's like just this wall of palm trees yeah. everywhere. 
um, we're lucky in the Caribbean in that way. It still feels very wild. Um, but I, I mean, we have a small garden. I live at my family's home. It's my family's home for about 50 years now. So oh, wow. there's, yeah, so it's, uh, it's a strong feeling of rootedness and groundedness. So when I really, really want to reconnect, I just go walk barefoot in my yard and look at trees that have been there for more than my life. And just remember that they're still there. You know, mm-hmm. there's some royal palms in my yard that are really happy and chilling. <laughs> um, <laughs> and just seeing things that my father would have planted, you know, decades ago, still mm. there. And all the birds coming into the garden and, you know, the wild parrots at sunset and dawn. Um, and then when I want to be a little more intentional, I go for walks. And, you know, sometimes I'll go. There's a really beautiful hill that overlooks the city. Uh, called Lady Chancellor Hill, and then that also ends at the start of a trail that goes through um, some hills. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I usually do the two-mile walk. It's like two and a half miles up and down, um, maybe once, twice a week. And, I mean, it always just clears my head, you know, the sounds of things like the crickets. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and and the birds. Like, I'm, I'm always astounded, but, you know, you could drive pretty much anywhere in the city of Port of Spain, drive for like maybe five, ten minutes and find an area that feels like you're inside of a jungle. I love that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is a tropical life, you know, yeah. and all the jungle sounds are there. You know, yeah. multiple species of birds, tons of insects. Um, yeah, and then of course, you know, you're always seeing the water in the distance. Water is my favorite, of course. Mm-hmm. Get into the ocean. It's my yeah. favorite way to reconnect with nature because... Yeah, having a beach day and just, you know, body surfing is like, mm-hmm. I just forget that I'm even human, you know? Right. And I think just like <laughs> being in or around or near water is like, it is so powerful and so moving on so many different levels. I, I miss the ocean dearly. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I can imagine yeah, for you. I'm a little inland yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah. Just a little. Just a little. <laughs> currently like two degrees outside (laughs) oh yeah i hear you i hear you (laughs) we're having a strange um dry season and that it's a little rainier than normal even though they predicted drier than normal oh so but it's not two degrees it's not two degrees yeah yeah. (laughs) i was gonna say i think something i'm super excited about that i didn't realize until i lived in places with seasons which is new for me Mm. um, is that because of the winter we're gonna have a really beautiful spring and that's something i'm looking forward to you know life is just gonna explode after this cold snowy dormant winter and that is something i've never experienced so stay tuned oh (laughs) it's so cool yeah Yeah. i mean i fell in love with the winter when i lived in new york i really did yeah i think you have to (laughs) yes Part of it is like part of my mentality is like I I am falling in love with the winter for sure. But I think to a certain extent, it's like, yeah, I'm adapting to this new ecosystem in which I live. But yeah, Mm. I feel like New York winters would hit different. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But, you know, lots of, you know, indoor fun dinners and that kind of thing. You know, there's all this social life stuff. But I think the, the trickiest thing is the light the light yeah, deprivation yep, yep. yeah yeah so once you manage that it's actually it's fairly okay just take naps you know mm-hmm. just take uncharacteristic naps just be like <laughs> yeah you know what it's it's hibernation it mode is for me yeah <laughs> i think i mean yeah. animals do it some plants do it that's like, right learning from that that's important. that's right that's right 
All right, Giselle, last question. And this is also something I'm asking folks just because as I'm aiming to share these knowledges and these learnings with everyone, um, I'm, I'm aiming to share kind of best resources or things that you suggest. Basically, do you have any recommendations? It could be books or websites that you frequently turn to that you can recommend to other folks who are interested in getting more ingrained in life-centered or biomimicry design. Oh, sure. Sure. Well, I mean, for me, the one that I turn to the most is definitely Bruce Mao. You know, the work of Bruce Mao, uh, so he would have written, the first book I picked up by him was called Massive Change. Mm. And, you know, he really was, is student of inflection. So he runs this uh, design studio called the, um, I believe it's the Institute Without Boundaries. Mm-hmm. And the way that he approaches his design practice um, with massive change, basically what he did was he almost redesigned industries and he created something called a, a manifesto for massive change. And I turn to that fairly frequently because I really think that, you know, the time factor is always there. And I think you've got to be strategic and very intentional, deeply intentional and centered around what we're doing, you know. Yeah. So if you're going to take action, let it be action that's going to have the biggest impact that you can make. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's why I've continuously landed inside of business and corporate because I, for me, it really is where I add the most value. Yeah. But also, I believe it's just it's the it's such a huge opportunity. You know, that's that's where so much change is going to happen. Right. Because it's its reach is just so enormous. Yeah. Right. So I turn to that. I turn to uh, Confessions of a Radical Industrialist. Mm-hmm. And the work of Ray Anderson and just remembering that, okay, yeah, someone did this. Yeah. <laughs> someone did this with something really, really hard. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> there's know. people in these industries and these big companies that are passionate about this and that are creating yeah. change. And they have the capacity to. Yes, yes. Um, and I just got uh, Neri Oxman's Material Ecology which is absolutely gorgeous. So that's looking at architecture, tech, and life-centered design. And then one last one I would suggest to anyone who wants to have kind of a intimate understanding is um, of the Caribbean is this book called So Many Islands. Hmm. And it's a collection of short stories and poems by Caribbean authors. And it's just very moving. You know, if you really want to understand the visceral nature of a place, I think you've got to read its poetry. Yeah. I definitely agree with that. It taught me things that I didn't, I took for granted in a way about where I live. So, so yeah, so that's a, that's one for me for sure. Those are great recommendations. Well, thank you so much, Giselle. This was, this was so fun and informative and moving. I'm coming away from this more inspired and motivated. (laughs) Oh, thank you so much, Lily. Yeah. I mean, me too, actually, you know, sometimes these things live in your head, but you don't get to talk about them. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm glad we get to share them with our network and even beyond. It's just like these practices can be so life-changing and yeah, really impactful. Certainly changed my life. So I'm I'm just hoping to return the favor. Awesome. And with that, another epic episode is out in the world. I've been feeling really grateful recently for such a beautiful and supportive community. So special shout out to everyone who is listening and sharing, reviewing, and telling friends or family how cool biomimicry is. Let's change the world together.